Welcome to A Slice of Orange. I'm Jody Balma, and today we're talking about the seven ballot measures on the California November 2022 ballot. So I gave you a quick overview before. If you want to go back and listen to that, um, you can. We're going to dive into the details of these ballot measures. So um, Ballotpedia, the Legislative Analyst Office, has really great resources. Uh, if you want to research more, I'll put those links in the show links, but um, let's talk about these seven. So first up, Proposition 1, Constitutional Right to Reproductive Freedom. What it would do is uh, codify, put into the California Constitution, what legal protection people already have in California. Um, so California law requires abortion providers to be licensed. Uh, abortions can only be performed on a on, on a viable fetus. Um, we do not have late-term abortion uh, on demand. Um, it only if the pregnancy puts the health or life of the pregnant person at risk. Um, and under state law, a fetus is considered viable if the fetus would likely survive outside of the uterus. And that's, you know, up to a doctor to determine um, what uh, metrics define that. So what, what Proposition 1 does is take the following quote and make it a constitutional protected right. Quote, the state shall not deny or interfere with an individual's reproductive freedom in their most intimate decisions, which includes their fundamental right to choose to have an abortion and their fundamental right to choose or refuse contraception. So there's no direct budget effect because it essentially doesn't change anything. The, these are already rights protected by state law. Um, the, the, the reason for this is because of the national uh, challenges to reproductive rights. And of course, the Supreme Court um, Dobbs decision in the summer of 2022. So um, the California legislature put this on the ballot uh, in, in, the, in the hopes that if there was a national congressional ban on abortion rights or the Supreme Court took another case and went further, uh, not allowing California to uh, provide the right to an abortion or the right to contraception, both of those have, have been discussed in, in Congress, that this Proposition 1 would give California and Californians uh, a legal um, path to sue uh, for that right in the state of California against a congressional ban. It would go to court. Um, so that's, that's the purpose of Proposition 1. The folks who want it, the, the people who put it on the ballot and, and are campaigning for it and support it, um, are, are the Democratic Party, um, Gavin Newsom and, and, and the California Democratic Party leadership and Planned Parenthood affiliates of California. Um, and so they, believe that it is important and needed, and so they would like to see this pass. The opponents, the Cal um, California Republican Party and the California Conference of Catholic Bishops, Catholic Church and the Republican Party are joined here um, opposing it and, and believe we should not protect abortion rights um, and, and, and don't want uh, to provide those rights to people out of state. So Proposition 1 is fairly simple. Um, it, it's whether or not you want to add this to the Constitution. So moving on to some of the more complicated ones. Proposition 26 and 27 
Um, first, there are two ballot measures um, on gambling. And if you've you know, been anywhere near uh, your mailbox, TV, or social media, you probably have been bombarded with campaign ads. There's a lot of money um, in uh, these two gambling measures. So they're also, we have to talk about competing initiative and what happens if both of them win. So they deal with who gets to um, uh, who, who gets to control gambling and where it is legal. Um, when there are conflicting measures, the California Constitution is very clear uh, that even if both pass, only the one with the higher percentage of the vote takes effect and the other one does not. However, because the authors of Proposition 27 uh, know that, um, they actually wrote into their measure, um, we the people of California declare that Proposition 27 does not conflict with Proposition 26. So this will end up in court if both of them um, pass. I don't have any idea whether or not that will be true, um, but the courts would have to do an independent analysis of whether or not there are parts of the measure that do not and could live together in harmony. Um, so let's find out what they are. Proposition 26 allows in-person roulette, dice game, sports wagering on tribal lands. Um, so it would define sports betting as wagering on the results of a professional, college, or amateur sport and athletic event, with the exception of high school sports um, and events featuring a California college team. So you'd have to be 21 to engage in legal sports betting. The way it is now, because of past initiatives, we have to go to the voters. Um, gambling is permitted in California only through the state lottery. Card rooms, a lot of cities in Southern California have card rooms that le have legalized gambling. Um, horse racing and tribal casinos. And tribal casinos were authorized by past initiatives. Sports betting, betting on, on these games is illegal in California. And tribal casinos are unable to offer roulette and games played with dice. So that's another provision. Um, in 2018, the United States Supreme Court eliminated the federal prohibition on sports wagering. So left it up to the states to decide. California can't change anything without an initiative. So here we are. Um, the voters are being asked. So what Proposition 26 would do, if 26 passed, Four racetracks would be able to offer in-person sports betting. The racetracks would pay the state the share of those bets made. The tribal casinos could offer in-person sports, in sports betting. Roulette and games played with dice would be permitted um, through individual tribal gaming um, agreements. And, um, and this is something we see sometimes out of the state of California is that people or groups that believe someone is breaking the law can file a civil lawsuit in state trial courts. And so that's going to be one of the reasons that some people are opposed to Prop 26, because they believe it will be, this measure will be weaponized um, for fr frivolous lawsuits or predatory lawsuits where someone is, you know, targeting um game rooms, card uh, card rooms um, to, to kind of get them um, to be worried about lawsuits. Uh, so Proposition 26 would increase state revenue. Um, it, it's hard to know how much, but maybe tens of millions of dollars. Um, it, it's always hard to know because, of course, behavior 
um, is tough to predict. So the people who are for this, chairman of Pechenga, band of Lucano, Indians say that California should have the choice to participate in sports wagering at highly regulated, safe and experienced gaming locations. Um, tribes across California have come together. The chairman of the California Nations Indian Gaming Association says a well-regulated gaming industry is of utmost importance. This initiative would allow sports wagering in a responsible manner. So the people who support this, and it's a long list of tribes and unions and organizations um, that, that are supporting Proposition 26. The folks who are against it, the opponents, um, the California Contract Cities Association, overwhelmingly voted to oppose the Qualified Tribal Gaming Initiative, does not benefit residents or communities. Um, and the, 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 the part that he's most opposed to is the proposed initiative exploits the Private Attorneys General Act, which would open the floodgates for frivolous lawsuits that would harm city revenues. Because cities would cities with card rooms would, would possibly be sued for allowing gambling that people don't believe is actually allowed. So, um, the mayor of the city of Commerce, Leonard Mendoza, uh, has, you know, issued an uh, opposition statement saying, during the pandemic, California cities that depend on the revenues generated through legal gaming at card rooms have seen the devastating impacts of those closures um, and, and the municipal budgets and vital services cities fund with that money. Hundreds of millions of dollars in local revenues are on the line and money is needed to invest in the safety and well-being of our residents. Um, the Kyle Kirkland, president of the California Gaming Association, says the initiative does nothing to advance sports wagering and instead expands the tribal casino's tax-free monopoly on gaming and rewards those operators for prioritizing their own wealth over public health and safety. The opponents, the Republican Party of California, uh, a couple of unions, the um, card, card rooms are all opposed to this. They see this as, uh, you know, a ma massive uh, competition to what they do and are concerned about lawsuits. So um, there are two sides uh, of, of people who want this and don't want this. And then we've got folks who are opposed to Proposition 26 because they'd rather have Proposition 27. We have people who are opposed to both Proposition 26 and 27 because they think they can do better. And initiatives are already being drafted for um, 2024, where they hope to have something that gets more support from all of these sides. So Proposition 27, legalize sports betting and revenue for homelessness prevention. Um, the way it is now, again, is gambling is limited. Um, what Proposition 27 would do is licensed tribes or gambling companies could offer online sports betting over the internet and mobile devices to people 21 years of age or older on non-tribal lands. Um, this, those offering online sports betting would be required to pay the state a share of the sports bets made, and a new state unit would be created to regulate online sports betting. So there would be regulatory laws. And usually, um, Proposition 27 has done a couple of things differently. First, they've preemptively said this doesn't conflict. I don't know if courts will agree. But second, um, this is an incredibly detailed uh, legislation that, that just has its own body of regulatory laws that, that are included in the text of Proposition 27. That, you know, it's not in the summary that you're not seeing, but but it um, that is fairly rare. We often see propositions that set out 
the the direction and and the legal restrictions, and then allow the legislature to um, have some um, say in, in how that will actually be implemented, what will actually happen. And this is completely prescribed by Prop 27. So just a kind of strange little asterisk of how 27 is different. So Proposition 27 is um, is projecting far more revenue to the state because, of course, there would be widespread gambling. It's not limited to only in-person gambling. And 10% of the bets minus expenses. So 90% of the profits go to the, the, the gambling entities and 10% goes to homelessness, except that it, it it actually says minus expenses. So promotion, advertising, prizes, taxes specifically cannot be limited. Um, and, and so it's possible that there would be very little left of that 10% of these hundreds of millions of dollars when all of that is deducted. Um, so the, the fund has to pay all the state regulatory costs first, and then any remaining funds are being used to address homelessness, addiction, and mental health issues. But as we'll see when we talk about the um, the opponents, there are a lot of people who are concerned about the just accounting math here. And um, Prop 27 would exempt uh, any revenue uh, to the state budget from Prop 98, um, so that 40% or more goes to K through 14 funding for education, uh, this money would not be counted. This money would be a set aside um, to not be counted in them. So um, the folks who support it, Major League Baseball wants legalized sports betting to expand throughout the country. Um, the, the spokesman for the campaign says our measure is the only one that would guarantee hundreds of millions do of dollars each year in solutions to homelessness. Um, we have found Californians are enthusiastic about that. Um, CEO of All Home says if we permit and regulate online sports betting, California residents should benefit from it. 21 other states have already made this decision and our state should be next. So 35 states have uh, legalized sports betting in one form or another, even though not all are operational quite yet. So 21 states have allowed this legalized uh, sports betting um, after the 2018 uh, uh, Supreme Court decision. So the supporters, um, there, there, there are some mayors uh, that support this uh, as opposed to Proposition 26, where a lot of mayors were opposed to those restrictions on um, on the card rooms. Uh, a few American Indian tribes, though nowhere near uh, the list that Proposition 26 had, and then Major League Baseball. Um, the the Four major online sports betting companies uh, are funding this and, and funding it to a huge degree, FanDuel, DraftKings, MGM, and Caesars. So they are supporting this and funding to the tune of you know, tens of millions of dollars. The opponents to Prop 27, um, the California Asian Pacific Chamber of Commerce um, says the, the, the proposition was written but for the sole benefit of out-of-state gambling corporations. This measure would give online gambling corporations near total control 
over the sports wagering market, effectively hijacking any local economic benefits for small businesses and sending 90% of profits out of state and possibly out of the country. The chairman for the Barona Band of Mission Indians in San Diego County and the tribal chairman of the Federated Indians of Grattan Rancheria uh, in Sonoma County say their measure would expand authorized the largest expansion of gambling in California state history. Virtually anyone, anywhere, anytime would be allowed to gamble. Studies show this unprecedented access would lead to more problem gambling, addiction, and crime. Um, and there's very little restrictions on um, age that, 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 that children would be um, allowed on their phones to um, gamble. So uh, the chairman, uh, James Silva of the California Nations Indian Gaming Association says, don't be fooled. These measures are not a fix to homelessness, but rather a massive explosion of gaming that would directly undercut tribal sovereignty and self-sufficiency. And uh, the, the the other uh, um, uh, uh, opponent uh, is is that there, there are, you know, 55 pages of regulatory law in the Constitution is unprecedented that this would be added to the California constitution um, and, and could only be changed by another initiative. The opponents, um, a, a huge long list, the Republican Party of California, Democratic Party, um, lots of Democratic leaders, uh, a large list of tribes, um, the California Teachers Association, the Communications of Workers of, of America, a, a large list of of organization, La Raza, the Urban League, Western Regional Advocacy Project, the California Black Chamber of Commerce, the California Asian Pacific Chamber of Commerce, um, the California Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. Uh, so lots, lots of opponents to Proposition 27. So the voters will have to sort through this. I, I do recommend, and I'll put the links in uh, the show notes to Ballotpedia, just a great aggregator of information. You can see the the, the, the newspaper endorsements for and against these measures, they spend a lot of time researching them. And so I think it's interesting and, and um, helpful to see what the, the editorial boards of papers are supporting or not supporting. Proposition 28. Uh, Proposition 28 is uh, a, a to fund arts education. Uh, the way it is now, uh, again, we have Proposition 98, an initiative that amended the state constitution to require that minimum percentage of the state budget spent on K-14 through education, kindergarten plus the community colleges, kindergarten through 12, plus the community colleges are all funded out of this pot of money in the California budget. Funding for the arts, uh, you know, has, has suffered uh, as a result of this because there's always another priority, always another funding source that needs to, to be um, prioritized. So public schools um, fund the arts education through state and local budget decisions, but it seems like there's never enough to go around. Um, and so Proposition 28 would allocate, we would require an annual source of funding um, equal to at least 1% of the total state and local revenues that already receive education Funding. So a portion of that additional funding would, would be based on a local education agency's share of the economically disadvantaged student formula. It would require schools to, with more than 500 students, to use 80% of that funding employing teachers, uh, and then 20% for training and materials. 
Uh, so it, it would require arts education, music and, and theater arts, um, uh, all included in this, the performing arts. It would increase state costs by about a billion dollars annually um, for arts education, maybe you know, 700 million to a billion. Um, it, so that's that's the budget effect of that. For perspective, we have a hundred billion dollar surplus right now. But the California budget is is very volatile. Proposition 28, what the supporters say. There's a long list of supporters. Um, you know, a, a LAS, LAUSD board member says that Black and Latinx students comprise 61% of pre-K through 12th grade enrollment in California. Um, and they really need arts education. We know that an increase in art access to the arts within our schools will open the door of opportunity for students have careers in media and technology. The creators, the authors of this initiative, former superintendent of Los Angeles Unified School District and a former U.S. Secretary of Education say, only one in five public schools in California has a dedicated teacher for traditional art programs like music, dance, theater, and art, or newer forms of creative expression like computer graphics, animation, coding, costume design, filmmaking. So this initiative is timely as our country seeks to create a more just and equitable future for all children. A boost in arts and music education would help ensure the future workforce and media and technology properly reflects the diversity of our children in our public schools. Um, the supporters, a long list, um, including a lot of art um, corporations, California Teachers Association, the California Dance Education Association, um, former CEO of Microsoft, California Music Educators Association, Los Angeles Urban League, just a huge long list. Um, locally, Fender Music Instruments, uh, you know, founded in, in, in Fullerton. The, there are no opponents. There's no one listed against this. Um, I, I'll, I'll play devil's advocate, even though I'm a huge supporter of, of arts education funding and, and you know, obviously the, the arts are crucially important. But the opposition argument is, is fairly easy to make in that ballot box budgeting. The idea that we, the voters, are making financial decisions. Um, is is troubling and has caused problems in the past when we tell the legislature what they are to spend money on in a vacuum where we're not going to see the day-to-day, year-to-year volatility of the California budget. We often have massive deficits. We are likely going to see deficits um, that are huge in California in the future. Why would why would the future be any different from the past? Um, so that's something to consider. So fiscal um, fiscal responsibility and and restraint are one of the reasons I can absolutely see that that you know good rational people are opposed to this. So I don't want the fact that there are no stated opponents to say that this is 100% candy and roses and, and there's nothing, there's no downside to it. Whether or not you believe the benefits outweigh that um, is entirely up to you. That's how voting works. That's how democracy works. But, you know, I do think that we should consider um, that, that earmarking the general fund money when we don't know what the future needs are um, you know, we've we've got ma- major problems, um, housing shortage, climate change, water, um, wildfires. Um, and, and so it is really 
important to understand that the legislature could make this decision immediately. They could take some of that hundred billion dollar. Um, they could they could earmark it in the state legislature. And so, why does it need to be a ballot measure? Is always a question we should be asking ourselves. Now, it, it, there's no choice when it's been passed by a previous ballot measure. You have to amend it. You have to change it with a new ballot measure. But something like this could easily be. Um, just allocated by the California legislature, um, and and that's that's the other side. So Proposition Twenty Eight, um, huge fan of arts funding uh, in education. I'm not entirely sure that Prop Twenty Eight is the right vehicle to do that, but I would love to see far more investment in arts education. Prop Twenty Nine. Oh, it wouldn't be a California ballot without a dialysis measure. In the last three elections, there have been, this is now our third dialysis question. Um, so Proposition 29 is the uh, dialysis question. There are, the way it is now, 600 dialysis clinics in California that serve about 80,000 patients per month. Um, to address patients' needs, clinics often operate longer hours each day and are open for six days a week. There are two private for-profit dialysis companies, DaVita and Frenesius. I actually have only read that. So um, these two companies own or run about three quarters of the licensed clinics in California. Um, we saw in 2018, Proposition 8 on the ballot. We saw in 2020, Proposition 23 on the ballot. They're really motivated by a labor dispute between the union um that 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 wants to to kind of litigate these things on the ballot now what proposition 29 would do um essentially it's a staffing question um is a reporting requirement for doctors um that that and 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 staffing that chronic dialysis clinics would be required to have a physician nurse practitioner or physician assistant on site during all patient treatment hours um, currently, they have supervising doctors, they have supervising staff uh, that, that come in, but don't necessarily work every single hour, obviously, that these clinics are open. So that is um, a, a big change for staff. And the fiscal impact is that not that it would um, affect the state budget, but that it would affect the dialysis clinics. Um, because it would be a huge cost increase to have a, a, a supervising medical um, practitioner available at, at at all hours. So we suspect that the if Proposition Twenty Nine were to pass, then the clinics would limit their hours, um, and and you'll see that that in the opponent statement. So the folks who support this are the. SEIU UHW union who have funded the past two propositions as well. And so they say there's just so much improvement can be made and there's plenty of resources in the industry to make those improvements. Um, there's enormous profitability. Then you meet the folks of enormous need and you realize that some of that money should be diverted to patient care. The Cal there's an organization called the Californians for Kidney Dialysis Patient Protection um, that is funded by the service employees union. They've raised, uh, you know, over $8 million. Um, the opponents, the people who are against us say, 
um, stop another dangerous dialysis proposition. Uh, the, the, that they point out that the union has spent over $80 million of its members' dues funding 48 ballot measures across the country. Um, and and th this is the third measure and, and voters rejected the past two. So um, Proposition 8 was defeated by 60%. Proposition 23 was defeated by 63%. Uh, and, and so many people um, and myself included are tired of seeing dialysis measures on the ballot. Um, the folks who are opposed, opposed to this, the California Medical Association, the California Taxpayer Protection, the National Hispanic Medical Association, uh, the California Chamber of Commerce, the Republican Party of California, uh, uh, and, and, you know, obviously funded by the for-profit companies. Uh, you know, they've spent far more than the union has spent trying to defeat this because it is uh, a threat to their bottom line. And um, it, it is very likely uh, many opponents believe that if Proposition 29 passed, the, the clinic um, would just be severely limited. The, the, the doctors, uh, the nurse practitioners would not change their schedules. Um, they would not hire more um, to staff those early morning, late night, and weekend hours. They would simply limit those hours. So Proposition 29, dialysis, tired of learning so much about dialysis to cover the, the these proposition um, sessions. So Proposition 30, something new, new topic. Um, this is an increase on tax of personal income over $2 million and using that funding, so directed funding tax increases, um, using that funding to reduce air pollution and prevent wildfires. Well, and prevent, it, it might be more to service the fires. So Proposition 30 right now, without that, being passed, California has the highest personal income tax rate for its wealthiest. Um, those who make a million dollars or more a year already pay 13.3% um, income tax. And our California system, this volatile tax system, relies really heavily on income tax revenue from the highest earners. Um, you know, 10% uh, uh, for, for those making over $100,000. So, um, that that is compared to other states that have zero state income tax or or far less. Um, it, the the wealthy can move. The wealthy you know have access, and and we see that with lots of actors and sports um, stars that they, they they move out of the state and live here for you know, less than six months um, to to avoid that state income tax. So something to consider uh, is is that we've seen uh, that happen. $10 billion is allocated already over five years to increase the number of zero emission vehicles. So the state has invested heavily with $10 billion. $4 billion is already allocated to fight wildfires. Um, what Proposition 30 would do is increase taxes an additional 1.75%. So if Prop 30 passes, those who make, you know, for each dollar over $2 million, that would be taxed at 15.5%. It would make you know, California the highest tax um, in the country by far. The revenue collected from this additional tax would support zero emissions vehicle programs and wildfire response and prevention activity. Um, th there are some laws already on the ballot to, to move these forward. Uh, you know, The California Air Resources Board issued a regulation in 2022 requiring 35% of all new cars sold in California to be electric vehicles by 2026. 
100% of new vehicles uh, sold in California would have to be uh, electric by the year 2035. Um, all, all of this, um, the, the legislative analyst guide says that if the state approves the, the electric car mandate, then this additional funding to help new electric cars would not have much effect on the total number of electric cars driven in California. Um, so what uh, the budget impact uh, would increase state tax revenue, um, ranging from $3 billion to $5 billion, of course. Um, that's a projection based on uh, current projections, and that's as if um, no one would be motivated to move out of state as a result. Um, so, I, you know, it's it's not that I'm opposed to um, uh, to, to taxing incredibly wealthy people. Uh, I, I just prefer it to be a national tax so that there's not an incentive for other states to come and woo our wealthy folks away, or 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 to really consider where accountants are are telling those uh, high income folks that any other state would um, give them a 10% or 15% uh, additional funds. So just just legislation has uh, has uh, consequences when people change behavior based on that. So uh, Proposition 30, what people are saying. Um, this is uh, Ashley McClure, the co-founder of Climate Health. She says, this is a Robin Hood type ballot measure stealing from the rich to provide for the poor. I commend Lyft because they're trying to help align incentives in the right way. Uh, and the wealthy should be paying for electric vehicles. We've got to help people who aren't already driving Teslas. Uh, the, the Center for Community Action and Environmental Justice says Proposition 30 would finance a bold agenda in a way that's true to California values by increasing the tax on personal income. Um, the funding would come solely from the wealthiest Californians most able to afford it and restore clean air to low and middle income families who most need it. Okay, who's supporting it? Uh, the California Democratic Party and Lyft. Uh, a, a couple of unions, California environmental voters, all supporting. Um, and Lyft is funding this. They authored it. They're putting tens of millions of dollars behind it. Most of those commercials are paid by Lyft. In an interesting split on the opponent side, Gavin Newsom, Governor Gavin Newsom, Democrat, is splitting with the California Democratic Party to oppose this. And you may have seen commercials uh, where he is starring it to uh, campaign against Proposition 30. And he says, Proposition 30 is a special interest carve-out, a cynical scheme devised by a single corporation, Lyft, to funnel state income tax revenue to their company. Um, the Lyft would obviously benefit uh, if more people are um, being subsidized for electric vehicles because they also have a mandate to have their fleet be electric. So Californians should know that this year alone, our state committed $10 billion more for electric vehicles and their infrastructure. Um, John Couple, uh, president of the Howard Jarvis Taxpayer Association, and uh, I, I will note that I can't remember a ballot initiative where both uh, the governor of California, a Democrat, and the Howard Jarvis Taxpayer Association agreed. So um, po possibly a sign that we should look into what's wrong with this proposition when you've got people from such diverse um, places on the spectrum agree uh, that it's bad. So uh, the president of the Howard Tar Jarvis Taxpayer Association, no surprise, says we already have some of the highest taxes in the country. It's kind of the reason that they exist. 
A lot of the air pollution in Southern California could be eliminated by spending transportation dollars on freeway improvements to reduce traffic jams. And if these proposals are really priorities, they should be paid for out of existing general fund. The opponents, um, again, Gavin Newsom, the Republican Party of California, the California Teachers Association, and the Howard Jarvis Taxpayer Association. So um, we shall see what uh, folks do with Proposition 30. Proposition 31, a ban on tobacco sales. This is our last one. Huh, you've made it. Um, and, and this is a referendum, so slightly different. So Proposition 31 is a referendum, which means we, the voters, are being asked whether we want to veto something the legislature has already done. Now, those of you who've been voting for a very long time in California may remember that these used to be super tricky because a referendum meant that if you wanted to veto, you voted one way, but it seemed counterintuitive. We have simplified that. We understand the confusing nature that used to happen. So now we've reversed those. If you want the original law, you want the ban on flavored tobacco, you vote yes, the same way you would with a ballot measure that was an initiative. So um, those of you who are wondering if I want to vote yes, do I have to vote no? Uh, no, we've simplified that. For those of you who don't remember that, just skip that and just know that it's been improved. So the original law that we're talking about, that the voters are being asked to veto or approve, was passed in 2020. So two years ago, the legislature passed this, governor signed it, Senate Bill 793, and that set out to ban in-person stores and vending machines from selling flavored tobacco products and tobacco product flavor enhancers. Now, the law didn't go into effect because the tobacco companies circulated signatures to stop it. A referendum means that there are enough signatures of people wanting to vote on whether to veto it, and so it's on hold until the voters decide. And because... Governor Jerry Brown smartly uh, uh, put these measures only on the general ballot. We, we used to vote in every election. There were ballot measures. Now it's only on the general election in November. Has the highest turnout, gets the best uh, sense of, of, of whether or not people really want these measures to pass or not. So that means that it took two years um, for this to appear on this ballot. Um, and so voters have the right uh, to, to vote on this and decide whether or not SB 793 is valid or not. Um, so that's the background. When they were studying this, and, and when it's a referendum, you kind of want to go back to why they passed it and what they were considering. Um, and a referendum does mean if this passes, if SB 793 is upheld, then all of that all, all it, it, it can be changed by the legislation. It, it doesn't trigger the the idea that any changes to this would have to then come back. A referendum doesn't have to be changed by another referendum. A referendum simply approves what was already um, passed through the legislative process. So when the state legislature in Sacramento was studying this and voting on this, they had a lot of research done. And um, a 2018 study by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention found that 67% of high school students and 49% of middle school students who were vaping and smoking using tobacco products um, reported that they were using flavored tobacco. Um, and that number has actually gone up since that study. Um, proliferation of flavored tobacco and vapes um, in, in flavors that 
you know, I don't know that any self-respecting adult would use that, you know, they look like um, kind of neon and, and unicorn flavors and uh, banana candy. Uh, um, anyway, lots, lots of flavors. Um, the new law came in response to the surge of teen use and flavored tobacco, um, the, the e-cigarettes, the vaping, um, apple and cotton candy and gummy bears and all of these sorts of things. Um, it's also banning menthol flavored cigarettes, um, which is a little bit controversial for some people, but um, that that is include, included. So because local governments can regulate to tobacco sales, uh, about a third of Californians already live in areas that ban these tobacco products. But of course, uh, it, it's, it's fairly easy to you know, cross a, a, a town border and, and get it. And so it's more in the rural areas. What Proposition 30 would do is ban the sale of flavored tobacco and enhancers, um, prohibit in-person stores and vending machines from selling uh, almost all of the flavored tobacco products. Um, it defines the tobacco flavor, that, you know, fruit, mint, menthol, honey, vanilla, chocolate. Um, what, what is exempted is hookah tobacco um, and certain cigars and loosely loose leaf tobacco um, and charges a $250 penalty for each violation. So um, th there's some enforcement mechanisms. Now, um, Proposition 31 would likely reduce state tobacco taxes by an amount, you know, hard, hard to know if people will change their behavior and still um, use products that aren't flavored or if they'll cease using them. But um, tobacco state uh, tax revenue is about $2 billion overall, and th this could affect it by reducing it by tens of millions of dollars. Um, hard to know how consumers would respond. Um, but it's also possible that the FDA could act uh, and, and finalize the ban throughout the nation. So if that were the case, then this particular uh, referendum would not quite be the reason for it, but it would um, be, be because of the national ban, which we shall see. Uh, the folks who support this, uh, Gavin Newsom supports it and says, big tobacco has been targeting our kids, trying to hook our kids on tobacco products, literally killing a generation. It's time for us to stand up and protect our kids and push back against big tobacco, not just in terms of their efforts to go after our kids, but racist marketing. Enough's enough. And that's about as easy a question as will be asked this November. Uh, the American Cancer Society uh, Action Network says the tobacco industry has always shown it will go to any length to defeat the public, deceive the public about its deadly product. We're confident that California voters will see through this and ban flavored tobacco. Um, State Senator jo Gerald Hill said California fought big tobacco and won in the legislature. The shameless industry is a sore loser and it is relentless in putting this on the ballot and delaying the much needed ban. Um, it wants to keep killing people with its candy, fruit, mint, and menthol-flavored poison. The adults who are hooked on nicotine aren't enough for big tobacco. It wants our kids, too. So, obviously, this is all focused on um, kids being attracted to these, even though, as the opponents will tell you, um, it is illegal for kids um, to buy these products already. But it's proliferated beyond belief, and, and uh, vaping has gone um, up among middle school kids and, and adults. So the supporters, Governor Gavin Newsom, the California Teachers Association, the Campaign for Tobacco-Free Kids, and the American Cancer Society Action Network. The opponents, um, the tobacco companies are funding this tens of millions of dollars. It's on the ballot because of tobacco companies. You see the ads from the tobacco companies 
Um, and, and, and they say uh, that it's already legal for anyone under 21 to use any tobacco uh, product flavored or not. Proposition 31 is not a ban on flavored tobacco for children. That's already illegal. The California Coalition for Fairness, funded by the tobacco companies, say, we agree that you should never have any access to tobacco companies, but that cannot be achieved, tobacco products, but that cannot be achieved without imposing a total prohibition on products that millions of adults choose to use. This law goes too far and is unfair, particularly since lawmakers have exempted hookah, expensive cigars, and flavored pipe tobacco from the prohibition. So, um, the opponents uh, are the tobacco companies, uh, and, and they're spending tens of millions of dollars. So uh, I, I, I will say, uh, as I, as I kind of discuss my own personal, after giving you both sides, uh, uh, my own personal on Proposition 31 is pretty clear. Um, we have seen you know, massive increases in vaping in elementary schools. Um, the, the California Teachers Association is is behind this in a big way as a result of them seeing that on the ground. Um, and uh, it's a little uh, scary to see that, you know, it, the, the, the flavors are clearly targeting kids. Um, uh, so I, I am a huge supporter of Prop 31 um, and would love to see uh, a little help in in trying to get kids to stop vaping. So, uh, my personal take uh, on all seven of these. Okay, Proposition One. Absolutely, I am unapologetic, unapologetically supportive of reproductive rights, freedom, and contraception. I am very concerned um, that the, the the Republican Party will control. Uh, Congress uh, after the November election. It's very possible um, for a number of reasons. Um, and and they've already said, and Lindsey Graham, senator from South Carolina, has said he wants a national ban on abortion. Uh, Clarence Thomas has indicated the Supreme Court um, is not done yet. Uh, Michelle Steele, who is a candidate for Congress on the same ballot, has proposed a national right to life at conception, which has massive implications for IVF treatments. Um, and contraception. We've seen that in other states. So um, I am unapologetically in support of Proposition 1 and, and really believe that most Californians agree with that. Um, so uh, Proposition 26 and 27, I'm opposed to both. Uh, I think they are terribly written. Uh, I, I don't like either of them. And I'm hopeful if we're going to expand gambling that we can do it in 2024 with a far more reasoned uh, measure that um, in, incorporates lots of the the criticisms and fixes that. But um, I think both Proposition 26 and 27 are terrible, and I'm voting against both of them. Um, Proposition 28, oh, oh, I love arts education uh, and hate ballot box budgeting, so I am torn on this one. Um, but we desperately need to fund the art. We desperately need to um, prioritize teachers. Uh, in the arts and not just have, uh, you know, somebody who loves to go see a play trying to balance this while teaching a regular load of social studies or, or English and, and then also doing this. We really need to fund experts, content experts who not only are, um, you know, in, incredibly um, passionate about the arts, but also understand how to teach the arts. I think it's crucial. So I'm, uh, you know, voting for Proposition 28 and apologizing for uh, 
limiting the the budgeting uh, through the initiative, but um, we, we just really crucially need spending on arts. So there you go. Uh, Proposition 29, I am opposed to all of these dialysis measures and will continue to vote against them for as long as they put them up. I'm hoping that if uh, the, 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 the voter turnout is even higher against Proposition 29, maybe they'll stop trying. Um, I just, I think this is a labor dispute that should be settled in a, in, in a, in a labor way, in a, in a back room somewhere, um, privately and not, uh, take their complaints to the voters. Proposition 30, I think is, you know, I, I, I absolutely support the efforts of reducing air pollution and preventing wildfires. Although I think that, that the reality is, is that right now we're doing more, um, mitigation efforts and cleanup efforts, which we absolutely need to invest in. And we need to get serious about preventing wildfires. I don't think Prop 30 is the way to do it. Um, I, you know, have just seen the the unbalanced, unsustainable funding model that is the state California income tax um, that just shows devastating effects when um, the the richest people move out of the state as a result of, you know, Phil Mickelson said, you know, I would get to keep 10% more. Why, who wouldn't give themselves a 10% raise if, if they could do it just by moving over a state line? Um, and, and I could give you lots of other quotes and show you, uh, you know, that we just cannot sustain a system that relies on, you know, 400 people to pay uh, most of the bills when they are the most able to move out of the state. Not that I don't think that they should be paying their fair share, not that I don't um, fully support taxing the hell out of uh, the uber wealthy. I just worry that this backfires in a very real way. And it, there's some problems with how, how the revenue is collected and, and allocated. And um, So a big no for me on Proposition 30 and a huge yes on Proposition 31. Uh, we absolutely positively need um, to protect um, kids and give a little bit of support for uh, parents and teachers who are, are seeing the devastating effects of um, people getting addicted. And, and actually, uh, you know, there's, there's fentanyl uh, that is a huge threat to our kids, but um, as a lifelong habit, um, getting addicted really early and and particularly as we're seeing some of uh the the marijuana vapes that also include um that also include morphine uh and and it's sort of troubling to see some of these off-market brands that are being sold sold we've got to give our enforcement uh teams uh the, the, the ability to go after that but uh no nobody even really needs to go off market because they're sold at the 7-eleven uh, and it's fairly easy to get older kids to buy them uh, and, and hand them out for a nice, tidy profit. So we, I fully support Proposition 31. So uh, yes on one and yes on 28 and yes on 31 and no on everything else uh, is how I'm going to be voting if you care. But uh, that's what democracy is. Vote the way you feel moved to based on uh, how you feel about these propositions, based on the information, based on what you think is best for the state of California. And happy voting. 
So as always, thanks for listening. I couldn't do this podcast without you. A special shout out to my favorite listener, my mom, Peggy Jenkin, who listens to this podcast, even though she lives in Charlotte, California and doesn't get to vote for 90, 95% of the people I talk to. Um, my executive producer, Ann Watka, who spent years talking me into this. Uh, a huge thanks to the producing team who makes this possible, Jackson Henry and Fiza Valiola. Um, if you haven't listened to Observing Fullerton, you know what to do next. Subscribe and listen to all their past episodes. As part of the Fullerton Observer, uh, the podcast team, Arujan Veed, Arian Meza, Bianca Bravo, and our own Jackson Henry, keep you informed about the, uh, the Fullerton community with their podcast. So give them a listen. They've got a great show. Thanks. Talk to you soon.